welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I am joined by Sam Bailey, singer, Beauty and the Beast performer. I'm excited. We have to talk about that. Um, welcome to the Divorce Club. Thanks, love. Thank you. Now, you are currently happily married. So I am, yes. Does it feel a bit weird that I've said to you, welcome to the Divorce Club? The thing is, I've had, I've had quite a bit of experience, not personally with divorce, but like, obviously, my mum and dad uh, were divorced from uh, like a younger kind of age. Um, and I was in a relationship like over 20 years ago that was kind of going towards the whole marriage thing and it kind of went a bit peaked on to be honest and uh it didn't happen it was it was very dramatic it really was I mean I was quite dramatic about it but so you were engaged before yeah pretty much yeah I mean when I say engaged it was a ring from Argos so it wasn't the best <laughs> You know, it was like Still page, ring. page 5,000, item JYJ54729-7999 ring. Um, but it was it was all done. You know, we were destined for great things. But I was, I was 17 when I met my first proper, proper boyfriend. And I was kind of besotted at the time. And, you know, and you can just flash forward and you're like, oh, the church wedding and all these amazing things that you was going to do. But I had so much that I wanted to achieve personally in my life, and I think that's what eventually made us drift apart. I, I I think I was blinkered. I had like these like little horse blinkers on, and all I could see was like, this is what everyone's. This is what's supposed to happen. And I don't think you really appreciate love and happiness until you find the right person. So, I may have thought I found the right person, but it was more the fairy tale than actually the actual person when you think about it in the long run. But I, I had a tough time, you know. I had to make a big choice. We both did as 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 a couple. Really big choice. So you said you were 17. So how old 
were you 17 when you met? Or I was 17 when I was when I met, yeah. He lived around the corner from me and he lived with his grandparents. And I pretty much lived at their house. And I remember doing the walk of shame down the stairs in the morning. And they'd be like, hi, Sam. Then they had to check that I was, that was Sam. Like, that's how much of a lad he was. Do your name Sam, right? <laughs> the, the, the dad, the granddad was going, all right, Shannon. Oh, so I'm calling me another name. I'm like, no, it's Sam. And I was thinking, oh, my God, what have I started with? But I ended up being the person that he liked the most out of all the girls that he'd probably been with before. And um, and that's when it kind of started. But I loved his grandparents. They were brilliant with me. I was never at home. I was always around there, part of the family, part of the furniture. And it's weird because all these years on, I'm still classed as family to all of that family. And my husband allows me to go down there to see them all. Like, you know, not that it should be a problem, but some people would have a problem with that, right? But, um, yeah, I, I don't see him. But I see the family because they they were they had, they were such a big part of my life, and I think that's one of the hardest things with divorce as well, the families that are involved and the, having to choose sides. Because I remember that as a kid, like after my mum and dad split up, I didn't see my dad's side of the family for a very long time, um, which was really tough, really really tough. And then when my um, my dad passed away. I sort of made amends with that side of the fact. Well, I didn't say make amends. I didn't do anything wrong. But as a child, when it comes to divorce, you are kind of the victims as well because you kind of get mixed up in all of this, you know, the family wars of you can't be friends with that person because she's no longer in in our son's life. Or do you know what I mean? It's I just remember being pushed from pillar to post as a kid. So yeah, it's. Been, been real drama in my life. My God, I feel like I'm on Piers Morgan with you. God. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I'm a bit friendlier and uh, yeah. less rude. Than <laughs> um, so I think it's really interesting you say about the family because I know definitely in my situation, like you get, you really get to know those people. And like my ex's sister, you know, we spent a lot of time together. And then when you break up, you sort of like, oh, I'm, I'm not allowed to see those people yeah. anymore. Yeah, and, and we we I've without mentioning any names in my family at the moment, we have kind of got that. And my kids, um, my kids have got an auntie that's no longer with um, the uncle, and we don't get to see her very often. And I've said so many times, like regardless of what happens, she's still your auntie. You know, you don't have to feel awkward around anyone. You know. If, and the kids, it's really hard for them to understand as well. Like one minute I was, as a child, we were going around Boxing Day for family gatherings, gatherings and I had to say to them, Mum, why are we not going around there anymore? And she couldn't answer me. She couldn't answer me. And it's it's like, it's so sad, really. Really is sad because, you know, my mum and dad stayed together unhappily for a very long time if they weren't kicking seven bells out of each other, it wasn't a normal day in my house. And that's the truth. You know, the kid that sits on the stairs, looks through the bars at your mum and dad kicking seven bells out of each other. I had a tough time when I was little because I was the youngest and my brothers used to go out. Um, I used to have to stay at home and, and witness a lot of stuff. And it's made me very aware of my relationships in my future to not be like that and never have my kids witness stuff 
like that I've seen, you know. If, but, you know, like just arguing in front of the kids. And I know it's so hard because being in lockdown with my husband over the last year, there has been plenty of times where I've wanted to divorce him because it, when you're in confined spaces, sometimes you can get on each other's nerves. That's why I built the pub, you know, just to get him out here in the doghouse for a bit. But from a child's perspective, and I know that you're, you know, this is, I'm not divorced, but from my personal experience, being a child that's witnessed stuff like that, it's, I, I now appreciate how difficult and how much sacrifice my mum and dad put into trying to make it work, even though just to see the family unit. But when I look back on it, I've said to my mum so many times when I was younger, just leave him, just leave him because I think that's such a better option health-wise for children and stuff that I remember. None of that stuff would have happened when I was a kid if my mum and dad had not just parted way sooner. You know, they just spent so many times trying to keep the family unit that I witnessed stuff that I can never erase from my memory, you know. I'm getting really dark with this, but I'm I'm being truthful. This is from my perspective, you know, like I said so many times for my mum to leave my dad and I witnessed them you know my dad was would always forget that my mum was left-handed so when they had a fight my dad would always block from the from the right and uh, she's left-handed so he'd end up getting a clobber on his eye because <laughs> he'd block the wrong way. <laughs> so this is fi- physical we're talking because when you said kick seven bells out of each other I was like are you talking shouting no I'm I'm talking like they used to fight like proper fight so you know I know you're going to have a lot of people that are probably going through a divorce now and are probably you know going through similar things that I probably went through as a kid with regards to you know parents arguing every time they get into a room but in the years that I've witnessed that it, it has affected me because I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say have flashbacks, but like those are times in my life when you see your mum and dad drinking heavily and kicking, kicking each other in by throwing things at each other, you know, smashing things over each other's head. And like, you'd have to go to school on a Monday morning as if nothing had happened, you know? And I mean, I'm talking, this is the extreme with my, my situation with regards to divorce. And I am coming at it at a completely different angle, but my advice to anybody that really where their relationship is completely and a hundred percent over don't stay together just because your kids like they have to learn to deal with you as set two separate entities because it, it's gonna it's gonna mess with their head it really is and it will give them a struggle when they're older and they'll think that that's what they've got to do the most important thing in the world is to be happy right and happy parents make happy children I think that's like such a valuable perspective for so because I know a lot of people listen and they're thinking about getting divorced or they are getting divorced and they're so worried about their children and thinking there's so much support as well like out there that to help you in these situations you know one of the people that I've got coming round tonight is somebody that's going through this now that's still living at home and parents uh, kids don't know yet but they're going to tell them and she's you know she's crying out for ways to deal with it and I say be honest kids are very resilient as long as you make them happy and you are 100% 
keeping them in the loop and it doesn't change too much, then the kids will be fine. But all the time they see an unhappy home, it's not going to be, it's not healthy for them at all. It wasn't healthy healthy for me, but my mum and dad at the time thought they was doing the right thing. Let's stay together for the kids' sake because we can't do the two. And it doesn't work. You know, I, I remember walking up to the shops with my mum and I was like 14, 15 and she'd just had a massive row with my dad. And I was like, mum, just leave him. Just leave him. Don't don't just hold on to it for our sake. Just go. You know, if it makes you happy, go. And she never did. She never did until we'd all left home. I think a lot of parents feel that they have to do that I mean I'm not a parent so I don't want to speak for people but from the speak people that I've spoken to feel like they need to wait until all the children have left home and then they can focus on themselves it depends on how much it's noticed you know even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Well, because I have a similar, obviously slightly different situation to you, but my parents were, you know, arguing and I used to see them arguing at night and and I used to think they need to split up because they'll both be happier. And I don't think I ever said that to them until I was slightly older. And they did wait again until we both left home and then they separated. And actually, you know, my dad died not long after, so that was a whole mm-hmm. other ball game. My my dad passed away in two thousand and eight, so yeah. So no, it's it's you know, I look back now and I think I think about the sacrifices that my mum and dad made for me because when I'd left home and <clears throat> gone back to visit my dad and my mum was somewhere else and just seeing them apart, like my dad wasn't happy. My dad missed my mum, like would take her back in a heartbeat, you know. It was more my mum having to do everything for my dad that was the problem. Um, And my dad was struggling with drinking and stuff like that. And my mum was working like three jobs. She was no saint. They were both just as bad as each other. But it was when they was together that it formed this horrible poison. So when they were not together, they were two different people. 
So they were better off, you know, as that. But, you know, seeing it from that, you always see in movies where you see the kids at the banister. That I, I always remember being at the banister of my stairs and, and just looking through the door and watching my mum and dad literally in a lock where they've both got each other's hair and none of them would move. And it's oh, awful, awful. I've, you know, I've, I've seen it and yeah, I wouldn't wish that on my own kids. So I've always tried to make a go of everything. You know, if, you know, I've got as far as getting in my car and nipping up the shop to get a Mars bar and then coming back, that's pretty much as far as I've gone because I'm like, no, I'm not going to be like them. I'm not going to do that, you know. So, yeah, I've never, but the relationship before that, um, I always thought it would be this big kind of fairy tale and and um, he'd he'd gone up my local pub at the time and I was actually, um, what was I doing? One of his friends who was going out with them, um, the girlfriend had messaged me, had phoned, well, not phoned me, she probably didn't have phones then. She came into the shop I was working and said, I think, I think you've seen someone else. And I went, well, where are they? And he said, well, they've gone to the, this pub in um, Bromley. And I said, well, we'll take your car and we'll drive down and we'll sneak on them after I finish my shift. So we drove all the way to Bromley to see, watch them. And we sort of sneaked around the corner. They had no idea we was there. Nothing was going on. We watched them for ages. They was totally ignoring everyone else, having a great time. So went home. She was like, you know, I was convinced he was. I said, no, he's not. He's fine. And then when we got back, um, we saw them, the friends walking past the house. And I said, oh, where's Darren? And they went, oh, um, yeah, um, he's, um, he's, he's, he's up the pub. Um, yeah, 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 they, they, they've had a lock-in. And it felt a bit weird because I was at his, his grandparents' house at the time. And I said, where is he? And he said, he's at the pub. So I walked up the pub because I found it's only around the corner. And I looked in, no one was inside. And then I walked around the back and there he was up against the wall with somebody else. Um, and I literally flipped my lid, um, threw my keys at him, kicked him where it hurts, ran off. Then he sort of like ran after me and I'm like, don't want to know. Um, and I didn't go back to his house for a good few days. And I thought, why has he done that to me? Like, you know, we had this great sort of thing. Why? You know, I don't drink alcohol at all. Um, and I haven't, you know, I've probably had a handful ever since I was young. Um, and because of my background with alcohol, I've not really sort of took a fancy to it. But um, I personally think like, you know, drink hadn't played a massive part in this particular time. And then about three days later, it was his grandparents that kind of convinced me to get back with him. So were you engaged at this point? How old were you? We were in, yeah, I was, I was, I was like 19, I think, 18, 19, probably 19. Um, and yeah, we were kind of engaged and um, it was, it was his grandparents that I was going to lose, not him. So I got back with him because of his grandparents, because I wanted to be so be a part of their lives. And, um, you know, like when you just know that after that, that things are not going to be the same, because I couldn't look him in the eye after doing that to me. Like, it hurt me. I've been in relationships, not relationships, but been out with guys before that. If they cheated on me, they cheated on me. That's fine, whatever. But then even though he was my first kind of love, 
I was more in love with his family than I was him. And it took me a while to actually work out. That was why I was with him for so long, because I just adored his family, his brothers, his mum, his nan and granddad. And uh, oh, and then um, he, he had his thing that he wanted to do. He wanted to go to Australia traveling. And I wanted to be a blue coat. So that I wanted to go and work on a holiday park. So we decided to spend a year doing what we wanted to do. And I knew that was the end. So he went off to um, Australia. I went off and became a blue coat in Great Yarmouth. And <clears throat> everybody else that was working as blue coats were having a jolly old time getting notches on their bedposts and everything. And me being squeaky clean, you know, like literally waiting for a letter every single day. And then um, I got a Dear John letter. It was like an airmail, you know, the blue airmail letters, <clears throat> basically saying he'd only been gone three months, I think, saying that he'd met someone out in Australia and that was it. And I was like, that wasn't the plan. The plan was to go off and me do what I wanted to do, get it out of my system, him go off to Australia and do a bit of travelling. But I think I kind of knew that he was going to do that and it was kind of my way subconsciously of saying, this is going to be it now. But it, we're going off on terms where it's not going to be a dramatic ending. It's going to be, okay, so we're both in agreement. Because I was being a little miss, you know, goody two-shoes, being a blue coat, well, it all went downhill from there I was a right little one <laughs> I was really naughty after that but you know you say that you didn't want it to be dramatic but that is quite dramatic like you're a blue coat you're on this holiday park you receive an airmail letter and then I'm imagining you like reading it on your bed and like crying in the chalet thing is where I was as a blue coat they had a chart in the in the entertainment's office for the season of who could get as many get laid as much in the like literally honestly this chart was like I mean I my name got put on it at the end like literally at the bottom and every week it was like or, or pulling not not laying people but like you know pulling someone having a snob yeah all that sort Is of this stuff the guests or each other anyone i love the kids entertainers and then you're like how many people can we get with <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is the 90s this is going away back slightly different now but you know like it was sort of like you go into the entertainment's office and they had this chart set and i didn't know what the chart was for because i was quite innocent to be honest because i didn't really sort of start sort of being into boys and all that sort of stuff and um Obviously, the, the shock of the system when I obviously got there for the first first week and, like, you know, I'm like, no, I'm in a relationship. No, I'm in a, no, no, he's, he's travelling. I think I, look, I must have looked so stupid and so gullible when I look back. You know, oh, yeah, I'm gay, so, you know, we're just going off. And I, I was, like, telling myself that this was normal, like, to just go off and then come back and, you know, everything would be great. He would have been had the best time, got it out of his system. We could run off into the sunset and get married. But in my head, it was because I liked the idea of his family set up and I loved them as a family, you know, and I adored them and I still do. Um, 
but it didn't it didn't quite pan out the way it should have done and it really put me in a in a bad place for a bit because I was so trusted in people and then to be shit on twice in such a short space of time by somebody I cared about I then felt the need right I'm gonna be the little shit now so I went off and made up for a lot of years where I was so good and had fun you know I just had fun and I got it out of my system and then in 2002 I met Craig and at the time I was going out for a friend of his um and Craig I was freezing cold outside a nightclub in Leicester and the person that I was with it was in the middle of the road flashing and just being a general div and um then Craig was like got his coat off and put it round me and I was like real take up because I didn't see him in that way at all didn't he just thought he was just too nice you know and and I thought you know what that's what I need and I, I've got to stop going for the dickheads all the time I've got to find someone that's gonna treat me right and I couldn't have been more right and you know, there has been times in my life, like in the last, what, 20 years where I've wanted to divorce him or even thought, oh, God, I could skin you right now. But, you know, when push comes to shove, I'm always got that in the back of my mind that these little things that are what make you, you know, no relationship is perfect. And everybody has their flaws and there's certain things that, you know, I don't like about what he does or he doesn't like what I do but I think that's what makes you I think if you're perfect it's there's something wrong it's not you don't you walk down the street looking lovingly and lap, bump into a lamppost because you're too busy looking in each other's eyes I'm not like that you know I can't I, I sometimes look at people and they're sitting there pruning each other like you know like monkeys in a zoo like with like touching each other and, t- and I'm like nah that's not me I'm like, you sit on that side of the sofa, I'll sit over it, and then that's it. That's fine, we're happy. <laughs> well, it's just whatever makes you happy, isn't it, and what works for you. And it's when it tips over into, you know, neither of you happy and you're not communicating about yeah. it. Yeah. And the kids, the kids are very aware when there's tension in the house, like if me and Craig have had a barney or something, and when it gets to that stage, and I think just that reminder from them, I've got a six-year-old, and she's very protective of me. So when Craig has a pop at me for something, which is normally something to do with cleaning, because I'm terrible and he's the domesticated one, um, my Miley turns around and says, Daddy, stop shouting at mummy. And it's almost like a little, it's a cute little warning. It's like, okay, we need to not do this in front of the kids, you know. But But I've always got that in the back of my mind when it comes to the big D, you know, the the divorce word and, you know, I don't want to be like my mum and dad, just plodding along unhappily. You know, I want, I want to, I want it to be, I want my kids to remember our relationship as being a good one, you know, and to, to teach them as well. Like if you're ever not happy for whatever reason in any relationship that you're in, get out of it. hundred percent. Don't stay in a relationship just just because it's it's better situation for everyone else. We all deserve happiness at the end of the day. And I wish that my mum had taken that happiness sooner. You know, she missed out on a lot, you know, because she was so down and 
unhappy. I think probably that's why she took so many jobs on because she didn't want to be at home. Did she have a job so that we could have nice things or did she have so many jobs because she didn't want to be at home? And have you ever spoken to her about that? No, because I appreciated that she'd done a lot for us. I remember she was a, she's a market researcher. So she's one of those annoying people that stops you in the chi- in, in the street and says, excuse me, we're doing a survey on cheese. <laughs> I was wondering if you'd answer a few questions. That's what my mum did for a job. So I do have a lot of appreciation for my mum, but you think about things differently when you're in a relationship. And, you, and, I, and I thought about this not long ago, actually, that my mum had a cleaning job in the morning, then she worked somewhere else in the day, and then she worked at a chip shop at night like pretty much every day. And I always thought it was to put food on the table if my dad wasn't at work because my dad was a painter and decorator. So it, his work was never sort of promised. It was like he got a job on, that was it. So and then now I look at it and I think she did that to not be at home. And it really puts things into perspective, you know, like from a marriage point of view, any married couple that's watching this, if your wife or your husband is working too much and things are not kind of all right at home, I would be questioning why that person's there now as an adult. But as a kid, you wouldn't see it like that. I always saw it that my mum had all this time because I was always asking for puffer jackets and, and shiny tracksuits and, you know, illuminous clothes that, that was, you know, big in the ni- early 90s, you know, making sure I had all the LA gear trainers and all the new mod cons that were out at the time. But then when I look back on it, it was probably the other, to be honest. So, But I'm, I'm giving you all this. I know that I'm not divorced or anything like that, but I think it's probably interesting for you and people that are listening to hear it from a different perspective. Yeah, it's really interesting because obviously we, I got you on and we were going to talk about that relationship where you were engaged and, and, and broke up. And we have a bit, but I think what's so yeah, but what's so clear is how your parents' divorce, well, your parents' non-divorce for so long affected you. And, and actually, I've thought about getting people on, because my parents separated. They never got divorced, um, which was a good thing in the end, because then when my dad died, my mum got his pension, and my dad was very keen that she want, he wanted her to have his pension, you know, from the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Um, I've thought about getting people on to talk about their parents' relationships before and I, I've not sort of known whether to do that. And actually, I think, you know, the impact it seems to have had on you and so many elements of your life is so interesting. And especially for people now who are worrying about their kids in this situation, to think about you as an adult kind of looking back. And I know, I know you've said how terrible it was, you know, at the time seeing them fighting and stuff. Mine's very, very extreme, like yeah, very extreme. But then that was the that was the generation that it was kind of in. It was that was the norm for me. So really, I'm not as traumatized as some would be because that was what I grew up with, and it was like that for a long time. And <clears throat> a lot of the time, it was fueled by drink. So from a young kid, my mum and dad used to drink vodka out of medieval goblets. I always remember these silver medieval wow. goblets that they had. I mean, if you're going to drink vodka, drink it out of a goblet. I mean, what? come on. <laughs> but they used to have, um, they used to have um, 
orange juice um, and vodka and orange. And I remember as a kid, I used to do it all the time. And I used to go and get the vodka bottle and I'd pour half of it down the sink and fill it with water and then put it back. And sometimes they'd notice and sometimes they wouldn't. But like from a, from my perspective, it's made me who I am today, witnessing what I've witnessed. And it's taught me a lot, um, especially with alcohol. Just just to delve into that a little bit. How old were you when you were pouring away vodka and pouring in water? Eight. So super, and then going to school the next day, as you said. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, but it, my dad was a musician, so we constantly had people around our house all the time. And, you know, they'd be smoking whatever, and they'd be, you know, drinking. There was the next day there'd be sometimes there'd be people lying on the floor. But I never saw that as bad because it was what I was used to. My mum and dad were never, ever abusive towards me. They literally made sure we had everything. But when people come round, that was their time. I saw that as their time to sort of, and I'd go out or, you know, in the days where you could go out and, you know, hang about with your mates till God knows what time. Um, and I lived in quite a, quite a, I say nice neighbourhood, it was the top five roughest council estates as voted by the Sun newspaper. What an accolade. I, I know, but I, I knew I was safe there as a kid, you know, because we all had a big group of people, we'd all rang about over the park. But it was going home and seeing everybody the way that they were. And, and I didn't want people to leave because I knew as soon as people left, my mum and dad would fight. So I never, I, so to have people in the house, if you think about it, if there were people in the house, my mum and dad wouldn't argue. So I, I was so praying for people to be at home when I got back or people to stop over because I just wanted people there because it felt, I felt like I wasn't going to see my mum and dad arguing again or things getting smashed or whatever it's so interesting how involved your thought processes were even at a young age of like I know I'd always I'd be at home and when people say we're going now I'd be like oh don't go no stay a little bit longer and it was because I didn't want them to argue or fight that is a lot of responsibility for young you of you obviously felt like you had to stop them arguing so you had to keep people in your house. You had to water down the alcohol so they wouldn't argue. So obviously at the time, that was what you were used to. And now looking back, you don't want that to happen in your life. But what sort of, if you could sum it up, what effect has that had on you now looking back as an adult? Is it why you don't drink? Yes, 100%. 100% why I don't drink. I don't understand the concept of alcohol. alcohol and for me it's always been a part of my life and I don't want, I'll educate my kids a hundred percent. I'll educate them, but I'm not going to stop them from drinking alcohol because my mum and dad drank it. And it has such a bad effect on me because I just want to educate them on the pros and cons of alcohol and your limitations and what can happen in this situation. You know, I, I personally have learned from being that child that's been at home, because my two brothers were old enough to go out as where I wasn't. So I'd always be the one staying at home. And I've literally had my mum and my dad by the scruff of the hair when they've literally in a lock and I'm screaming at them, stop, please stop, please stop. As a, like, 
eight, nine, ten-year-old kid, and I witnessed this a lot, and you might think now when you look at it, you think, well, she's talking about this quite freely, and I think it's because I flipped it and seen it as a positive because it's made me who I am. It's, it's taught me a lesson, and I'm not traumatised by it as much as I thought I'd be. I'm more of a, okay, so let's just put, turn this into a positive. This is not going to happen in my generation, which means it's not going to be passed on to my younger generation of my kids. So I've nipped that in the bud. It's interesting, though, because it sounds like you still feel that responsibility of because you were like, I've nipped it in the bud. It's never going to happen again. So by by doing what you're doing now, you've stopped your parents from arguing, which is what you wanted to do when you were eight yeah well they when they you know they they split up you know my mum and dad were very protective of me my my dad um my dad went into into prison for non-payment of um taxes years ago um and he went into prison and my mum told me he was away working and I didn't know about this until my dad died that he'd actually gone to prison and he had like a swallow tattoo on his arm and that's apparently what prisoners you get if you, if you see someone with this particular tattoo you knew that they'd been in jail it was like a thing there were so many things that were protected I was protected from from my parents so but the one thing that I wasn't protected from was them fighting because I witnessed it but I do kind of I don't I'm not angry at them at all for it but I'd rather my kids not see it now but also bringing it into it Working as a prison officer, I have interviewed and worked with some prisoners that have witnessed similar things to me. But the difference being is they've not been able to control those thoughts. So I think because I'm quite a strong person and a determined person, I think that's the reason I got through it. But there are some people that just haven't got the strength to to get that out of there you know what they've seen as a kid and it's made them that person that violent person or seeing something you know and I just think if my mum and dad had divorced you know the amount of times they fought and it was always drink fueled always was if they were the you know the loveliest sort of calmest people when they hadn't had a drink but as soon as they'd had a drink they were like it was awful it's like they you know just get get a boxing ring set up and let them kick each other in for a bit but that but that's that was the norm for me and I don't I'm not angry with them I've always said to my mum I'm grateful because it's made me who I am but there are not there are some people that are not so lucky as a kid to see their parents go through that because it's traumatizing it can be but it depends on the person I just don't want to give that opportunity to my kids to see that so I'd rather just not. So if me and Craig are ever going to have a Barney, it gets nipped in the bud. If I'm ever unhappy, I've always said to him, and he's always said to me, if we're ever in a, in a situation where we're not happy, we're to speak about it and try and fix it. And if we can't, we, we go our separate ways. But we'll always be amicable because there's no way I'm going to let my kids suffer because I've witnessed it with other family members and it's not, it's, it's not easy for kids to witness that it really isn't 
Well, thank you so much. This has been brilliant, I think, and, and such a different perspective as well. Where can people um, find you and follow you and come and see you? Um, well, I'm on Instagram, Sam Bailey Singer. Um, I'm also on um, Facebook and I have a little group set up that I set up during lockdown called Bailey's Kappa Crew. You can see I've got the jumper Amazing. on there. Um, and it's a, it's a Facebook group for people that just want to meet people and have a cup of tea. I go live every morning with a cup of tea with about a thousand people on a live. Um, and I do live gigs in the loft when I have been in the loft every single week, all through lockdown on a Saturday or a Sunday. And um, I'm going to be going on tour with Disney Um playing Mrs. Potts in Beauty and the Beast um, as of July. So I'm going to be in rehearsals for a few months. And then we start in August in Bristol. So we go from Bristol to Liverpool to Edinburgh and then to Cardiff. And then there's more dates to be announced for the new year. So yeah, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a teapot for a year. So exciting. That's I the know. best character as well. So like, I, I can't wait to come and see you in it. It's going to be brilliant. Oh, bless you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.